0: Welcome to the Back Nine Report, presented by eDraft.com.
1: 2017 of the back nine report presented by edraft.com. We go live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time and checking on the world of golf to bring you the latest news, insights, analysis, interviews, recaps, previews. Hey, we cover anything and everything off. My name is Carlos Torres and every week I'm alongside my co-host, Fred Alvader. Fred, happy new year. How are you?
0: I'm excited that this is our first show of 2017 We're coming off a wonderful holiday season spent with family and friends, but I'm excited about the prospects for golf this coming year, Carlos. 2016, it was one of the best years ever in golf history, and I think 2017 has the potential to be just as exciting. We had so many golf stories last season that we talked about, the Olympics, the Ryder Cup, all the drama and great play that surrounded that event. Uh, the, the Phil Mickelson, Henrik Stenson battle at Royal Troon. Jordan Spies collapsed the Masters. Ariya Jutanegarn overtaking Lydia Ko to win all the big honors on the LPGA Tour, plus Brooke Henderson winning her first major, and Envy Park coming back from an injury to take the gold medal at the Olympics. It was just an outstanding golf year, but that's over now. We're talking about 2016, uh, 2017, so Carlos, i got a couple of questions here for you to start the show. What is the one thing you remember most about last year that you will take forward with you? Wow.
1: You just mentioned so many things, and I, I, I really have to agree with you that there were so many highlights that you just can't uh, – I mean, we would, wouldn't would fit in one show. But definitely uh, maybe the, the most talked about news of last year was the the passing of, of Arnold Palmer and what it meant to the golf world, I would say that that's the thing that I really remember the most because of the timing of it, that it was just right before the Ryder Cup. And, uh, you know, it, even though we all expected that to happen sooner or later, it's like when you, you're in denial, it's just never going to happen. That was a bigger, a figure bigger than life. in in, in golf, it transcended golf, and, and we saw how much it meant the world of sports, and, and definitely all those big stories that came after that from so many people from so many places, you know, that, that's really the, the story that I take the most, but like you mentioned, there's so many that you can talk about. Uh, 2016 was a great year. I cannot know or expect how we're going to top that this year.
0: Well, it's going to be difficult. For me, you kind of won me over the Olympics probably um, in general for both the men and the women, you know, how successful that thing turned out to be and what a huge event it's going to be going forward, um, I was impressed. You know, I had such low expectations that uh, it just blew me away uh, with, with everything that happened there. And then the Ryder Cup, with all the excitement and the great play uh, that was generated um, and and, and, the, and the, you know, the... The crowd participation and the noise and I mean, it was just uh, it was over the top. So tell me a little bit about what you do for the holidays. I know you're in Dallas. You had the family there, so you had a good holiday.
1: Oh yes, we were in, uh, with the family here. My wife, my my kids, my in-laws are here too. So you know, we we started. Is that a good it thing or a uh, in my case, it's a good thing. In my case, it's a good thing. <laughs> okay. okay. Right. You're on there. You <laughs>
0: no,
1: got to say that, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Really, really, they're, they're great people. And, and uh, the most uh, important thing is that, you know, being away from, from my island, I got to, you know, experiment again the food that is done in Puerto oh, Rico. Okay. Uh, so that, that was the best thing,
2: <laughs> you know. You don't
1: get that kind of food here. So getting to eat that, especially in Christmas, that we have some traditions, you know, we kept them, and that, that was incredible. How about you? How
0: how were your holidays? Oh, uh, we had it was kind of the Christmas that just kept on. <coughs> excuse me, kept on giving. We just went one from one section of the family to another, and and over the course of about a week. Um, and I uh, got to see a lot of the family and a lot of the grandkids. It was just uh, outstanding stuff, Carlos. Uh, it, it's always a great time of year, and, 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 we, and we really appreciate it. I didn't watch much golf. I didn't think much about golf. Um, it, was, uh, it was really pretty cool. It was a true, true vacation, really. So <laughs> let's transition a little bit. 2016. is over. The holidays is over. What are you most excited about for next year? Proposition, this year, I guess I should say. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we're already. It's it's so soon, right? It's just three days that we've passed, and uh, it seems like it's it was it's still not here, uh, the new But no, I mean, so many things I cannot point one specific, but uh, I am really really excited about uh, the the LPGA. Really, I, I want to see because. We just saw how Adia Utanagan overcame um, Lydia Co. but now, that, and I've always said it, you know, to me, Lydia was going backwards, and I'm, this is not a diss on uh, David Ledbetter, but I think she was just not doing right with him. She was just going backwards, so I'm looking forward to her coming back, and now establishing that. That rivalry with her And hey Brooke Henderson That's not too far away We have See uh, Young Kim We have Even Inby Park Coming back as well And so many of the other Youngsters Like Charlie Hall Lex is not out of it Stacey Lewis is always there So you know it, the, I think the LPGA Is going to be Huge this year uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to see that battle because they are always week in and week out, uh, putting this big show, the best players are there all the time. So uh, I'm looking really forward to seeing that season from the LPGA this year.
0: How about you? Yeah, I, I, I agree a little bit with you um, and, and and along your point, I really thank today that um, you know Lydia Ko has switched to uh, PXG along with a couple other uh, uh, LPGA Tour players, and PHG, PXG is making a push to be more recognizable on the LPGA Tour because they want the international exposure that the LPGA Tour provides. So see, they, you know, Mike Wan turned that negative of being an international tour of not being in the U.S. into a positive and is paying dividends. But I'm really most excited about, Carlos, the PGA Tour and where it's at right now. Um, You know, I think Jordan Spieth, Jason Day, and Rory McIlroy will establish themselves at the top of the sport, battle one another from Rangers all year long. Um, Like you, I'm anxious to see if Lydia Ko can rebound and regain her number one or keep her number one world ranking and and, and back to winning a race to the CME Globes. But also... Lurking back there, lurking back there, we've got the Tiger coming back out on the prowl. So that should be exciting. I can't wait for that. I'm going to talk some more about that a little bit later in the show, but uh, get Tiger back on tour, you know, if Phil can play good again. You know, he's had a couple surgeries here over the winter. Hopefully he'll get back in shape and play good too. But... um, well, Carlos, let's move on to the show. Uh, let's get—we're we're done with the chit-chat here. Let's move on. There's a—we got a ton of golf news to cover. Um, you know, many big names have changed equipment. The PGA Tour opens the season this week in Balmy, Hawaii, and we're less than a hundred days until the Masters. So, let's go, Carlos.
1: Let's go, and we're going to start <clears throat> our first show now. With the week, no, we don't have a weekend boxing. We have our part five news. There was no <laughs> tournaments. Uh, we our weekend boxing was the shit chat we just had. So let's start now with the news, and you know there was a, a lot of equipment changes, a, a lot of uh, switcheroos there from the from the brands from the players, and I believe you have some news about that to start our part five news.
0: Yeah, you could probably take a nap, Carlos. i got a couple pages here, so you can get a couple, okay. a couple quick links I'll, in here if you want to yourself. <laughs> I'll, take a, I'll take a quick one, then. No
1: problem. Okay. Just uh, wake me up when you're
0: done. No worries. Okay. Uh, with uh, with Nike leaving the equipment business, uh, several players have been on the search for new equipment uh, deals. Two of the biggest, of course, Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods, as well as a few other familiar names, uh, used the Nike brand. One player who is not running from Nike but to it, is world number one Jason Day. Day's contract with TaylorMade Adidas was up, and he decided to stay with TaylorMade Equipment, even though that company is for sale, but he did decide to switch from Adidas apparel to the Swish for his shirts, pants, and shoes. Adidas, the parent company of TaylorMade, is making a conscious effort to cut back on all golf-related marketing, and Day simply got a better deal with Nike. Joining Nike is a dream come true, Day said. The brand is synonymous with the world's best athletes. I'm honored, and I can't wait to be a part of the team and working closely with Nike to take my game and the sport of golf to even higher levels. One of the reasons switching to Nike is a dream come true for Day has been revealed by ESPN's Darren Roval, who reported that Day will make upwards of $10 million a year for donning the swish on his hat, clothes, and shoes. Carlos, even in Ohio, after taxes, that that's still a pretty nice number. This means that three of the biggest names in golf—Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, and Jason Day—will all be sporting the Nike uh, swish on their clothing next season. Speaking of Rory, who, along with Tiger, was Nike's leading spokesman for the for the brand, has named Callaway as his brand of choice for clubs in the 2017 season. If you remember. Nike staged a massive televised spectacle in Dubai when Rory originally signed his $200 million deal with Nike in 2014. He struggled most of that year to find the right combination of shafts, heads, and balls to find fairways and greens. He's going to keep receiving a nice check from Nike, even though he'll be playing another brand. It's been confirmed that Rory will play Callaway's new Great Big Bertha Epic Sub-Zero Driver, Callaway's custom Apex MB irons, Titleist Vokey wedges, a prototype Odyssey putter, and the Titleist Pro V1X ball in 2017 when he debuts in the BMW South African Open on January 12th. He had such a great finish to 2016, which promised a return to the top of the sport this season. We hope the new sticks don't derail his stellar performance. It's also been reported that McElroy said he does not intend to sign any equipment deals in 2017. At the Hero World Challenge, the original Nike guy, Tiger Woods, played a TaylorMade M2 driver, TaylorMade M1 Fairway Woods, Nike irons and wedges, a title of Scotty Cameron putter to go with his Bridgestone B33, I'm sorry, B330S ball. Bridgestone, of course, signed Woods to a contract to play the Bridgestone ball. One of the more surprising equipment changes comes from Bubba Watson, your favorite guy, Carlos. He's switching from a Titleist Pro V1 to a Volvic golf ball. He's not going to be playing the colors, though. Like the girls on the LPGA Tour, Bubba will be launching his patented sky-sweeping drives with a Volvic white color S4, which Bubba calls the Blue Pearl and he will wear the company's logo on his sleeve. Watson's the biggest name to ever play a Volvic ball in the past. Volvic has been used by Craig Stadler and Tim Petrovic. Volvic has had a huge presence on the LPGA tour and several women play a colored Volvic golf ball. Bubba says he got the idea to use a Volvic ball from watching the World Long Drive competition on TV. With Watson playing a Volvic ball, five companies now are represented among the top Ten players in the world. With Rory expected to return to Titlist when he competes in South Africa. Uh, Titleist will have four of the top ten players, two playing Pro B and two playing a Pro V 1X. Also in the mix are Taylor May. There's two guys playing that. A couple guys using Callaway, and then there's one Switch, on and, and of course now Bubble Evolving. As the guys hit the range this week at Kapalua, there will be a rash of news on club changes as we go through the week. Endorsement deals and players leaving old sponsors for new, but these are the biggest names in what we know thus far, Carlos. Oh, my.
1: I can't wait to see. Warren uh, right. McClure
0: said he's not
1: going to sign anything in 2017. I don't know if you right. Uh, suitors come by. I, I think he will. I think he will. But you know, moving chairs are still running, so we'll see what happens. You think the poor boy needs the money? Uh no. But you know, it's never. No <laughs> he can never have enough. You know. Plus, getting married and all that. So you know, it's it's not easy. it's not easy. So anyway, finally, Fred, I have to say, finally, the USDA <laughs> and the R&A are taking a common-sense step towards
0: addressing... They listen to us. They listen to us, Carlos. We've rated it so much. They finally listened to this show and said, we got to do something.
1: Yeah, they're taking a common-sense step towards addressing and fixing at least one, at least one, not the 100 that they need to, but at least one of the complexities and contradictions within the rules of golf. You know, the game's governing bodies have announced a new local rule that was effective uh, this past January 1st that eliminates the penalty when a player causes his or her ball to move while on the potting green. In you another know context. During the final round of this season, last season's uh, U.S. Open, Dustin Johnson's ball moved on the fifth green. Did the ball move on its own, or did DJ cause it to move? Well, you know, despite very cheeky video evidence, the USGA pin it on DJ, who took his penalty like a boss and cruised to victory, potentially saving the USGA from an outright revolt. Given how the rules handle accidental taps on the tee box, if there were continuity in the rules from tee to green, the question wouldn't have been did Dustin Johnson cause the ball to move? It would have been, did Dustin Johnson intend to cost the Baltimore? You know, the latter is a hell of a lot easier to sort out. But the change appears to be the first change to come out of the USGA's rules modernization project, a comprehensive study to see how the rules could be made easier to understand and applied by golfers throughout the world. You know, the USGA has on its site an explanatory video in which it says that the local rule will be adopted for all of the USGA and RNA's championships and qualifiers beginning this year. It also explains a few common situations where it will no longer be a penalty assessed. And I can mention them. One is that if you are preparing to make a stroke and accidentally move the ball, no penalty. If you drop the ball by mistake and it accidentally moves your ball marker, no problem. If you drop your ball marker and accidentally hits the ball, no worries. Or if you were to kick your ball by accident, no worries. And hey, don't worry either because it it not only applies to you, but also to your playing partner, your opponent, the caddies, or any equipment that accidentally moves your ball or your ball marker. It's also important to remember that these circumstances only apply to a ball on the putting green and not elsewhere in the golf course. The expectation is that will also be widely adopted by competition committees across the world. Many of us would agree that the rules of golf in their current state are an overly complex mess. It's exactly why, despite the USGA's hardline stance, most of us our, most of our weekly foursomes already play with some common sense tweaks. I call this a step in the right direction. One of the few of late from the USDA that addressed tour concerns while at the same time simplifying the game for amateurs. Kudos, guys. Well done. You know, here's hoping this is just the beginning of a significant simplification effort. While we're at it, can we get the intent to hit rule C? Uh, apply to the rest of the golf course, and maybe do something about playing out of divots as well? Now, I ask our listeners, let us know via Twitter or by email, what do you think of the new rule, this local rule? What other rule changes would you like to see made? You know, I want us to become a little more interactive with you, so do the hashtag back9bysay, okay? Back9bysay with the number nine, and direct us with your comment, okay? Let us know. But, uh, but for now, I would like you, Fred, to be the first to have your say and let us know what do you think about this newly new local rule and what other rules, do you, changes, would you like to see made?
0: Well, Carlos, I made it pretty clear last year and in, in uh, pretty much everything that I've written and talked about uh, where I thought the USGA uh, screwed up in this whole deal and where they where they are. This really is, it, it is a local rule only. They only make permanent rule changes every four years. So, you know, they just came out, the rules for 2016 are permanent, so they're not going to do anything again until 2020. So they're in the interim right now that they're addressing these things, looking at them and considering what they're going to do for 2020. Anyhow, this is just a Band-Aid. This is a PR ploy. That's all this thing is. Uh, right now, it doesn't address the many larger issues that the USGA has with not only the rules, but their enforcement and their timing and, you know, how they set up golf courses for the US Open. So, they just have so many things. Uh, you know, being stuffed shirts and doing what they've done for the last 30 years just isn't going to cut it for the next 20. So I hope they wake up and I hope some somebody can some breathe some uh, some fresh air into them uh, as we go forward, Carlos. Hey, you know, uh, the next story, I love this next story, actually. You know, they always say size doesn't matter. (laughs) Well, here's one place that it does. To get onto this list we're going to talk about, you must have a very big bank account. (laughs) <laughs> this is a very exclusive club. George Lucas tops the list. Oprah Winfrey is a member in good standing, along with P. Diddy, Dr. Dre, and Jay-Z. But Beyonce is not on the list. Too bad. What? No. Not there. Forbes has released its annual list of the world's wealthiest entertainers and athletes. Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson both made the list, but just like wins, majors, and pretty much everything else, Tiger's way ahead of Phil again. Woods comes in at number seven, while Nicholson barely made the top 20 list, coming in way down at number 18. Woods estate on Jupiter Island is worth over $60 million alone, and his net worth is estimated at $740 million. Plus, Woods, who just turned 41 last week, is the youngest member of the list. Tiger, along with Michael Jordan and Phil Mickelson, are the only athletes to make the cut. Phil slipped onto the list at number 18 with $375 million. Maybe if he hadn't lost so much gambling over the years, he would catch Tiger. A win over Henrik would have added a few more zeros to his bank account, also. That loss at Royal True last year was a killer. His heiress, Michael Jordan is number four with $1.2 billion. Playing basketball isn't all that bad. His 90% stake ownership of the Charlotte Hornets NBA team and the Jordan brand brings in an estimated $90 million annually. This is not golf-related, Carlos, but I just have to tell you, my man, Jimmy Buffett, ranked number 13 at $500 million. Good to see the old guys can still get it done with the young guys. Evidently, size does matter, Carlos. Evidently, it does. And uh,
1: definitely, I'm far and long away. We'll never make that list. So, I uh, have a yeah. way to keep yeah. it happen, myself. It? You know, it ain't happening. Okay, let's move on. Let me try sure. to do something else. <laughs> but, but, you know. I just so want enough
0: that, to retire. <laughs>
1: yeah, but you know, I think that Billy Walters, if he gambles enough, he might get there. I, I don't know, just just a thought, and he might Do you help. You think he can help Phil? Help out? Phil can he, can he, he can help help, out help out? Phil to make it. Yeah, I, I think he can. <laughs> but you know, t- talking about Billy and, and Phil, you know, U.S. prosecutors confirmed that an FBI agent had leaked critical information to journalists regarding an insider trading probe. The agent in question is currently under the Justice Department scrutiny as a result. The prosecutors had initially denied any leaks occurred, but have since backpedaled and do some moonwalking like Michael Jackson used to do. The investigation involved a famed Las Vegas sports gambler, you might remember, Billy Walters, golf pro Phil Mickelson, and activist investor Carl Icahn. The later Two were ultimately cleared of any wrongdoing. Eichen's name was frequently brought up during the U.S. President-elect Donald Trump's stump speeches as someone who could help improve trade deals, though Eichen later stated that he had no plans to join the Trump cabinet. Bloomberg News reports that Walters has requested that the judge in his case determine whether prosecutors of the FBI agents were behind the leaks and should be punished. Assistant U.S. Attorney John Lockway wrote to the judge about the War- Walters case that the agent admitted that he disclosed confidential information about the investigation to the New York Times and Wall Street Journal reporters who wrote articles. You know, Gene Margolin, who is was the spokesman for Manhattan U.S. Attorney Preet Bahara declined to comment on the government's letter. Mickelson wasn't in charged in this case. So he's free of that for the moment. Prosecutors said the agent appearing in court December 6th admitted that he was the significant source of confidential information leaked to the reporters. The agent also said he'd concealed those communications from the U.S. attorney's office and FBI colleagues. Walters was scheduled to appear in court for a hearing last week, The agent has yet to be identified as no longer cooperating with prosecutors without his attorney. Barry Berkey, a lawyer for Walters, said in a court filing Friday that prosecutors should be required to disclose the report to the defense. Bloomberg notes that Walters has been seeking to force prosecutors to show more of their hand ahead of his insider trading trial. The FBI agent's mishandling of information could come in handy for Walters, who as a successful sports bettor than he is. He certainly knows the odds of winning an insider trading case initiated by Bahara. They're not very good, because since August of 2009, the Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office has convicted 81 people of insider trading either at trial or via guilty pleas with zero acquittal. But Fred, you know what? I'm no better. But these FBI leaks give gambler Billy Billy Walters better odds in this insider case.
0: Oh, I yeah, I think they're I think they're toast. You know that, that whatever that guy did, uh, I think he he's going to get a payoff somewhere at the end. But uh, yeah, I, I think that whole thing's a it, it was kind of a screwed up deal, anyhow. You know, coming to the memorial and escorting Phil Mickelson off the 18th green to running downtown to the FBI office to, you know, ask him questions about Billy Walters and force him to be a witness. and all. I mean, what a joke. The FBI has become a joke. Carlos, we both agreed at the top of the show that we had great holidays, but we don't compare to the incoming or outgoing presidents. The outgoing president, Barack Obama, flew his whole family to Hawaii Guy in a few rounds of golf over the holidays amid Pacific breezes and palm trees swaying. Plus, he's still traveling on Air Force One. Not a bad gig, but soon coming to an end. Experts peg his round plate as president at 64 for the year and 333 for his presidency. Let's see. Eight years times 365 days, that's 2,900 days in office. That's less than one round per week, so I guess we can live with that. Enjoy it while you can, Barry. Next time, you got to go on your own dime. Meanwhile, incoming president-elect Donald Trump had a few hundred of his closest friends over for a little golf and relaxation at his Mar-a-Lago estate in Palm Beach, His biggest contributors got to rub elbows with a few professional golfers, entertainers, and other assorted athletes. It's always good to keep the deep pocket guys happy. It appears a good time was had by all. And if you're curious to see how the rich and famous celebrate on New Year's Eve, just check out Colleen Visha-Frost's Facebook page. She's the wife of David Frost and had her cell phone selfie stick working overtime on New Year's Eve at the Trump Mansion. Carlos! Carlos! That is all I have for the Part 5 News for January the 3rd, wait for it, 2017. And with that, we wrap up
1: our Part 5 News. We're going to take our first short break, and when we come back, we have the practice range. We're going to talk about the PGA Tour, what to expect, what do we see, coming up, so don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. In the meantime, don't forget to visit www.edraft.com for analysis breaking news, and more. Also, remember to follow us on Twitter at eDraftSports and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash eDraftSports. Now, back to the show.
1: And we're back, and now it's time for the Practice Range where every week Fred and I pick a topic, each of us, take our own swing at it, and this week we're going to be talking about the PGA Tour, the schedule, any changes that happen there. We're going to preview the SBS uh, Tournament of Champions. We're going to tell you which players you should look forward to seeing this next year and what we think will be happening in the majors this year, but let's start talking about the schedule and changes first. You know, the 2016-17 PGA Tour season consists of 47 FedEx Cup tournaments, several of which return to their traditional pre-Olympic dates, and others that have a venue change and/or new title sponsor. When the schedule has resumed this in January, a new title sponsor emerges with the Genesis Open at the Riviera Country Club in Los Angeles. That will be February 16, 2019. The sponsorship by Genesis, a luxury car brand, was announced earlier last year. Next comes the relocation and renaming of the WGC Mexico Championship, March 2nd to the 5th, which moves from South Florida to Mexico City through a new seven-year sponsorship agreement with Grupo Salinas. The tournament will be held at the club, the Golf Chapultepec in Mexico City. Also changing sides, the first week of May is the Wells Fargo Championship with a one-time move to Eagle Point Golf Club in Wilmington, North Carolina. This move is due to the PGA Championship going to Quail Hollow Club in Charlotte, the Wells Fargo Championship's regular host site. The following week, the Players' Championship returns to a Mother's Day Sunday finish, which will be May 14th, and will greet the season's strongest field with totally resurfaced greens, including some with contour changes and a redesigned drivable par-4 12th hole. The U.S. Open will be held at Erin Hills in Hartford, Wisconsin for the first time June 15 to the 18th, while the Open Championship is scheduled for July 20 to the 23rd at Roger Birkdale in Lancashire, England. The PGA Championship returns to August in the 10th to the 13th after moving to July in 2016 to accommodate golf's return to the Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro. In addition to the PGA Championship, other tournaments reverting to the regular season uh, slot post Olympics include the Traveler Championships, the John Deere Classic, and both WGC Championships, Bridgestone Invitational, and Barracuda Championship. Also, during this portion of the schedule, the Quick and Loans National will be held for the first time at the TPC Potomac at Avenue Farm. The final changes on the schedule involve the opening FedEx Cup playoff events, the Northern Trust, which will be August 24th to the 27th, which features a new sponsor and a new course, Glen Oaks Club in Old Westbury, New York. The playoffs continue next week after that with the Deutsche Bank Championship's traditional Monday finish on September 4th before taking a one-week break. The playoffs then resume with the BMW Championship September 14th to the 17, which returns to Conway Farms Golf Club near Chicago and concludes September 21 to the 24 with the Tour Championship. The very next week, Fred, the President's Cup will be held at the Liberty National Golf Club in New Jersey City, New Jersey. So, how about what you think about the schedule and the changes for this year on the PGA Tour?
0: Well, you know. This is normally an important event to watch every year, but not a major or a WGC, certainly. The newly named Genesis Genesis Open, held at Riviera Country Club in Los Angeles, will be the 2017 debut of Tiger Woods. The tournament will benefit the Woods Foundation, and Tiger will make his inaugural appearance for the season. With a glimpse of his game and hope for good things to come, it will be a must watch from the very beginning when it starts on Thursday. The um, notable change that uh, you mentioned uh, to the West Coast swing the Northern Trust switched sponsorship to a FedEx Cup playoff event, leaving room for Hyundai then to uh, promote its uh, high end product, the Genesis, uh, there at Riviera. And uh, a couple other changes that you mentioned there. The, uh, when the tour heads to Florida for the Florida Swing, they'll play the Honda. But instead of moving on down the road to Miami to Doral uh, for the WGC Cadillac, they're going to fly back over to Mexico City for the WGC Mexico Championship then return the first week of March to, uh, play, to finish off the, the rest of the Florida Swing with the Valspar Championship and Arnold Palmer Invitational, then the other part of that, Carlos, is it'll be the first time that Arnie will not be on hand to greet the fans and players, and pretty should must be pretty much a, a very emotional event. So um, that's kind of what I'm seeing as far as the uh, the schedule changes. I think you covered them really well. Um, if it's okay with you, I'll just – you want to talk about the SBA, SBS TFC then this week a little bit?
1: Yeah, let's start talking about that now. You know, since we already talked about the schedule, you know, that Tuesday. Comes- 2017 PGA Tour season is officially underway, and of course we had the fall swing season already. But most of the top players are getting underway this week in Hawaii at the SPS Tournament of Champions. The field is already down to 32 players because many European stars begin their season next week in South Africa and aren't making the trip to Hawaii. Early withdrawals include uh, Rory McIlroy, Henrik Stenson, Adam Scott, Sergio Garcia, and Danny Willett. This will be an early opportunity for some of the world's best, including Hideki Matsuyama, yes, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, and Jordan Speed to strut their stuff in an invitation-only event for, you guessed it, PGA Tour event winners in 2016. Let's face it, Hawaii is a pretty nice place to spend the first week of the year, and with a decent period of rest and recuperation under their belts, this 32-man field will enjoy a beautiful locale, for their first appearance of 2016. The plantation course at Kapalua has been the longest host of this event, so we have plenty of stats and course history to draw upon when you want to see who can make it here. The winner, you know, this course is a rare Par 73, so making Par 5 scoring even more important this week that measures roughly 7,500 yards. The bombers should have an advantage here, but. Hey, Jordan Spieth, Zach Johnson, Steve Stricker, and Patrick Reed are all charter hitters who've had tons of success here. This event, Fred, is always a birdie fest, what we can expect from the first tournament of the calendar year. What are your thoughts on it?
0: Yeah, Cor Crenshaw designed this course. It opened for play in 1991, and it is a bomber's paradise. Uh, the fairways are wide. a lot of elevation changes, a lot of elevated tees. They can just hit that thing, let it run out there. You know, that one uh, par five there towards the end is about 600 yards. And, um, you know, Bubba has hit driver, driver off the deck to get it up on there, even into the wind. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to watch the guys open the seas there. But you've got 32 of the best players in the world going for a total purse of $6.1 million with 1.22 mil going to the winner, um, you know, Jordan Spees, the defending champion, so you've got uh, Jason Day in the field. Um, you've got uh, um, Charlie Hoffman, Billy Hurley, Dustin Johnson, Russell Knox. You know had a great year. He wouldn't be a good. He would be a good guy to watch in this thing. Uh, Ryan Moore had a great year. Had a great uh, Ryder Cup. Um, Patrick Perez. Or, yeah, Pat Perez is going to be there. Patrick Reed, Snedeker, You know so. It's, even without Rory and Henrik and Sergio and Adam Scott, I mean, it's a top, top, top field. So should be a lot of fun. The 32 players in the field have accounted for 109 PGA Tour wins, led by Dustin Johnson's 12. Um, he won three times last year. So the other multiple winners, uh, Jason Day, um, who else we got here? I don't know, there were some other guys There are multiple winners. And uh, last year they're in the field. Uh, you've got two former uh, PGA Tour players of the year, Jordan Speed and Dustin Johnson, both in the, in the field. Uh, you've got eight major champions in the field. So um, you know, it's just it's always a fun event. Uh, you know it is a no cut deal. It's more of an exhibition than anything else, but they're playing for real money and real FedEx Cup. Points, Carlos. Oh, they do. And uh, talking about
1: the players, you mentioned that 32 of the best players in the world are going to be there. So, talking about the best players in the world, we have to talk about also which players we would recommend everybody to look forward to seeing this week, this year on the PGA Tour. And uh, I'm going to tell you the names of the players. That I think everybody should be looking at, and uh, I'm not just gonna focus. I'm not gonna focus on the top players. I want. I always like to look behind beyond them because that that would be just too obvious to say you have to look for DJ, for uh, Jason Day, for Murray McIlroy, J- Jordan Speed. Now, uh, of course, we have to look forward to seeing Tiger Woods and how does he returns. What is it gonna be? We we took a glance at him at the Hero World Challenge, and we saw that hey, there is some some glance there. There's something from the old tiger there. We we got some thrills from him, very very partial. But hey, we saw a glimpse of what he can do, and he was just 15 months out, and maybe now he can get used to that. Of course, there's the worry about, will he get injured again or not? But I am looking forward to seeing what Tiger Woods is going to do and if he can handle, you know, full season again and, you know, the the younger players that are right now at the top of the game. Of course, why? I'm not going to say Hideki Matsuyama. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the number one I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, his last year was truly special. He won twice on the Japan Golf Tour, where he has eight career victories, and twice on the PGA Tour, as well as finishing a T7 at the Masters, T4 at the PGA Championship. When you look back on it, he should have won the, the PGA, but putting an, ob- an abject potting display in the final round where he realistically could have shot six or seven better had his form being better on the greens, he ended five behind Jimmy Walker. You know, his past six tournaments have seen him finish fifth, first, second, first, and first. <laughs> wow. That, there's no doubt. He's the hottest player in the world right now. And uh, no doubt that this front is just a flash in the pan. He won the Asian Amateur Championship in both 2010 and 2011 and was the leading amateur at the 2011 Masters. He then became the world number one amateur in 2012, and this man from Japan won five times since his debut season as a pro in 2013 at the Japan Golf Tour to become the first ever rookie to win the Order of Merit. There's no doubting that he's a special talent who's tasting for majors and the world number one status. There's no doubt for me. Other player that I want to see, Thomas Peters, this young 6'5 Belgian who won twice on the European Tour in 2015, had a stellar 2016, highlighted by his excellent Ryder Cup performance, picked as a rookie after finishing fourth in the Olympics, second in the Czech Masters, and then first in the maiden at Denmark, where he shot a 10 under par 62 uh, in the opening round playing with captain Darren Clark. Peters became the first ever European rookie to win four points in his first appearance. He will look to push on this 2016, and with now a name known and feared in America, he will hope to contend in a major or two. Other players, I think this player that I'm going to mention right now will be the rookie of the year in the PGA Tour, and I'm referring to John Ram. This pannier who went to to college at Arizona State where he twice received the Ben Hogan Award, 2015 and 16, which is given to the best college golfer in the U.S., he was the world number one ranked amateur for 60 weeks, where he finished as the low amateur in the 2016 U.S. Open. He turned pro after that and won over $1 million in his first seven events on the PGA Tour, making six cuts, including a T-second finish at the RBC Canadian Open, where he missed a makeable eagle pot and the 72nd green to make a playoff. Other rookie this year that I am looking forward to see is Wesley Bryan, who has a large online following for his trick shots uh, with his videos with his brother. He came through Q School to the Web.com tour and won three times from March to August to earn a Battlefield promotion. To the PGA Tour, which gave him full status for this season. In his first event as a PGA Tour member, he came in eighth in the John Deere Classic. This guy has talent. Now, I'm going to mention a couple of names that you're not used to know, but listen to his names because you're going to know from them. They're virtually unknown, and I'm going to talk first about the European Tour, and that's Thomas Dietrich. I mentioned him not a long while ago. He was ranked Uh, 1,802 in the official World Golf rankings just over six months ago. You know where he ended the year? At a career-high 195 after enjoying a mesmeric rise to the game. We saw the 23-year-old turned professional win a European European Challenge Tour event, graduate to the European Tour, and post a top-three finish in his first European Tour start, all in the space of just six months. Thomas Dietry, another Thomas from Belgium, remember him. I'm going to mention Jordan Smith. The Englishman won the Euro Pro Tour Order of Merit in 2015 to qualify for the Challenge Tour, where he won the Egyptian Challenge in only the second tournament of the season. He won again at the Ras al Khaiman Challenge, the Tour's Penultimate Event, and sealed the Order of Merit won his 2017 European Tour card, as well as his two victories in 2016. He also had nine top top-10, 15 finishes and rose from outside the world's top 16, 600 up all the way to one of a Jordan Smith, that's his name. And also, Curtis Locke. Locke won both the US Amateur and Asia Pacific Amateur in 2016, as well as the Western Australian Open which is a professional tournament, and came T-11 at the Australian Open that was won by Jordan Spieth. The Aussie has qualified for three of next year's major championships, the Masters, I mean of this year's major championships, the Masters, the U.S. Open, and the Open Championship, although he has hinted that he, might, uh, he may opt to relinquish his spot in the final two and play the Masters before turning professional to try and earn a 2018 PGA Tour card. And Fred, before I turn it over to you, I want to mention the last name, and that is Tidal Hatton. I think that, you know, we saw him rise all the way from 124 to number 18 in the world. I think this year is a breakthrough for the man from England. Tidal Hatton, look out for him.
0: Yeah, you have a very comprehensive list there. Um, we have a lot of a lot of the same names on our list, um, and I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start here at the top, Carlos. Um, I looked like you. I, I went to the uh, official world golf rankings. Uh, looked down through it. You know, the top ten pretty much familiar names. No real surprises there. Hideki, uh, Jordan, Rory, Jason Day. They're the young guys of the group. Um, and then the only name that sticks out there is Alex Norin. Uh, he's over 30, so he doesn't qualify as a young guy anymore, um, but he had a phenomenal year last year, and I'm reaping the rewards of that. We'll see more of him uh, in the U.S. this year, probably because of that. Uh, but then I looked at the next 10, uh, and in that group you've got Danny Willett, Ricky Fowler, Sergio Garcia, Paul Casey, Justin Rose, Brooks Kepka, Brendan Grace, Russell Knox. Joe Mickelson, and, and Matt Kuchar. So you've got a couple of young guys in there. You've got Brooks Kepka, uh, You've got Russell Knox. Um, you know, they're guys to uh, to watch out for. Kepka is really coming into his own. I look for him to, to contend in majors and the big events this year. Um, he's, he's a player. But then I go down to the next 30. Uh, this is where some guys pop out a little bit at me. Um, you know, you've got... Um, um, you got Justin Thomas. You mentioned Tyrell Hatton. Emiliano Grillo had a really good year for his first year on tour. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick just won uh, at the end of the year on the uh, on the European tour. So they're all in the top thirty, and they're going to look to move up in 2017. And then a guy that we both agree on—I was so impressed with him at the Ryder Cup. Uh, Thomas Peters from Belgium. Um, he's already at number 47. Uh, he could make a big move if he has some early success this uh, this year here at the beginning of the season. So I, I look for him to to be on leaderboards uh, uh, right along. So, um, you know, you mentioned some young guys. Um, I I also uh, I like Wesley Bryant a lot. Uh, he won three times last year on the Web.com, as you said. Um, and the guy is just—he's having a good time. He's with his brother on the bag. Um, I, you know, they're—they're real—they're serious golfers. I, I like—I like them a lot. Um, and I do like Curtis Luck. Uh, I think he will probably turn pro, uh, you know, midway through the season, probably, or maybe even after the Masters. But uh, the kid can play. He's shown it. Uh, he's beat the class, amateur competition in the world. Um, so. There's no reason to think he can't compete uh, on the PGA Tour, Carlos. So, uh, you know, we've got, we still got, we've got a couple of uh, mature, veteran guys like Dustin Johnson, uh, Justin Rose, uh, Dustin Johnson, Justin Rose, Bubba Watson. Some of these guys, Adam St- Scott, they're they're very good competitors. Paul Casey's made a big move. Sergio Platt, a great year, uh, certainly deserves a mention. Um, so, Ricky Fowler's still around. But then you've got these young guys, Hideki, Rory, Jordan, Jason, Patrick Reed, um, Brooks Ketka, Justin Thomas. Uh, you know, they're just ready to, to join the group at the top and really challenge them for dominance in the PGA Tour. So um, like the LPGA with all the young talent they have, the, the PGA Tour has a great crop of, of youngsters coming up through there, but they still have the veterans at the top. And then to, to stir it all up and throw this, add this in to spice it up just a little bit, we've got Tiger Woods coming back. So, Carlos, uh, I, I really am excited for the year. I, I, I'm i so glad we get to talk about it every week, and I, I just can't wait.
1: I can't wait either. And uh, also a name that you forgot to mention there, uh, Henrik Stenson. You know, he, oh, yeah. He, oh yeah. He's right. always there especially at the second half of the season. Uh he just comes from winning his first major and he's always uh, he's always there. He, you can count on him. And the PGA Tour, you know, I, I you can say that the LPGA still has a couple of veterans, you know, like Amy Park and Stacy Lewis that show up every week. Uh, week in and week out, but is mainly dominated by the young players. But in the PGA Tour, although we have Rory, we have uh, Ricky, we have Jason, we have uh, uh, Jordan Speed, uh, like you mentioned, Brooks Koepka is coming on his own, uh, Justin Thomas, who I wanted him to be in the Ryder Cup last year. Uh, There are so many great young players uh, that are there, but as well, there are still a lot of veterans that are good enough to battle on with him. And last year, you know, they proved they're not out of it. So it makes it for a great tour, a great competition where you just anyone can win any given Sunday. You know, it's it's an incredible uh, year. And uh, talking about that, what do you think about the the majors? What do you think is going to happen this year?
0: Well, uh, yeah, I, I just have some brief comments about that, Carlos. Uh, of course, you know, we're already counting down to the Masters. As soon as the calendar turns over, you know, we start counting down. I think it's really like 95 days or something like that. Uh, but it just never fails to impress. Um, as we mentioned, with so many great young players that are factors, uh, plus you throw in Tiger, and then even Phil, hopefully he'll be playing well. Um, and you just you can't wait because the Masters really is the true beginning of the golf season. when they they all roll down Magnolia Lane. Then in June, well, I should say in May, uh, because I still, you know, I say we have five majors. I know they only say there's four, but the Players' Championship in May, um, that's, you know, it's going to be a tremendous field uh, in that thing. Um, I'm going to go down there, Carlos, actually uh, here um, at the end of January. So I'll, uh, I might be there uh, when we're broadcasting, actually, uh, uh, on that night. So uh, I'm going to get to see firsthand, check it out. I've never been there, so I'm looking forward to going. Um, the U.S. Open is going to be at Aaron Hills up here in Wisconsin. It's it's going to be a new venue for everyone. Uh, I, I'm going to make a prediction right now that you got to watch through the straight hitters and the ball strikers to have the advantage over the bombers there at Aaron Hills in Wisconsin. It's a big track. Um, but uh, there's it's all open, there's no trees but man, there's a lot of trouble so uh, it's like a Chambers Bay and you know, with the tall grasses and stuff and the hills and and, uh, um, and all that kind of stuff so, and then you know, the Open Championship uh, did anybody you know, it, you know th- that should be outstanding uh, again, I, you know, it's always a, a classic venue when they play over there the field's always great, you know, they get They get guys qualified from all around the world in there. Uh, If it's anything that's half as good as what Henrik and and Phil put on last year, it'll be fantastic. And then you've got the PGA Championship at Quail Hollow. Does does anyone at the PGA know that it generally is really, really hot and humid in Charlotte, North Carolina in August? You know, uh, counting the number of EMT vehicles, that it's going to take to revive and shuttle the dehydrated to the hospital may be more exciting than the golf coming out of Charlotte for the PGA Championship, Carlos.
1: <laughs> it's going to be, I mean, this year uh, the majors are going to be one heck of a, a, of a show. And there's a lot of expectations, like you said, uh, the Masters. We can't wait. It's just less than 100 days from now. And uh, I'm just going to go quickly, and I'm going to tell you who I think are going to win all four, and you can laugh and, and oh, do you're whatever going to put the with. names on? Oh.
2: Yeah, I'm going to even
1: put names on each one of them,
0: okay? Okay. The
1: first one is Hideki, that he's going to win the Masters.
0: Jason. You got him down for all four? You're just gonna have him move no, with no, no, all the first four? That, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, right.
1: well I got him for all for all four, but I'm I'm hoping he wins just one and it's gonna be so, so, uh, that's he's he's gonna be like he's gonna be like Jordan's Pete uh, two years ago. He's gonna be the favorite. Has anybody, you
0: know, has anybody notified Sergio that you're no longer picking him for everything?
1: I talked to him, he's no longer talking to me anymore. Uh, I'll talk he's to him. Yeah, he is. It's tough. We talk we talking Spanish for a long while, but I have to <laughs> that I'm I'm starting to take Japanese classes now, so <laughs> he, he was hard to example. There you go. All right. Hey that that's the way it is. And and you know, <laughs> I know that Jason Day is gonna win the, the, the US Open. That's his. He's gonna add another major. And the open. The open. The open. You know who's gonna win it? Guess who I'm gonna Phil. See. Phil. Did you have my script here? Or what what where are you looking? <laughs> Do you have a camera here? <laughs> you have a camera here? Let me see. Let me let me t- let Is me block my, my webcam. Let me block my webcam before I say who's gonna win the PGA. <laughs>
0: and the PGA you know, I, I know. I know people I know people in the NSA. I didn't know if you know that or not, but, you know, Big, big oh, Brother's are always watching, you know. Oh, my
1: <laughs> goodness gracious. I have to be more careful from now on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: Tiger is going to cut to three. He's going to move to within three of Jack Nicklaus' record Hall of 18 after he wins the PGA Championship. That's my favorite. There you prediction. go. That's that would be that would be a year right there. Reggio, sorry I had to leave you out. Of that. I, I I struggle between you and Phil for the open, but you know I'm gonna go with Phil
0: in the open. So uh, that that's well, my four
1: main winners this year.
0: I have to disagree with you at least on one of them. Uh, I like Hideki. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. And I and he has done he has done pretty well at Augusta, but mm-hmm. I really think Jordan Spieth is motivated off of his. Collapse last year. Um, plus, um, there's another young guy. Uh, what was his name? Uh, the guy from from Ireland. What's his name? Uh, Rory McElroy. Can't recall, can't recall from uh, Ireland. No. Yeah. yeah, I think he kind. I think he kind of wants one of those green jacket things. Um, oh, they they so all I have
1: to pass for the, the, the hottest man in the planet. Right.
0: now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. And especially but he I, has I, done I, so well at Augusta. I really, and then and if Tiger's playing any kind of game at all, I mean Tiger can shoot uh, 68 around Augusta pretty much with his eyes closed, and if he's got that uh, Scotty Cameron putter back, um, he could be. You know, Augusta is a place that rewards veteran golfers uh, that know mm-hmm. the place, and right. so. Um, I, the Masters is going to be outstanding I, you know, I just, I can't wait I can't wait, Carlos Can't wait, can't
1: wait And you know what, I think that this year 62 will happen at the Majors. I think it will I mean, after Phil just got that 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 will just Swift to the right Just before the hole for the for the first 62 in major championship history, you know, I think that uh, I think I think is going to happen this score is going
0: It could happen at Quail Hollow. The golfers yeah, know that, the course. They all know the course, and it's not. Yeah, you know, it's it, it it's playable. It's gettable. They could do it there. They could
1: do it. They could do it. Well, with this, we'll wrap up our practice range, now you know what to look for. you got all our predictions, what to look for. It's going to be a great year, no matter what, in the PGA Tour this season. Now let's take our final short break, and when we come back, we have our VIG, very important guest of the week. Is Dana Fry. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Thank you for listening to the Back Nine Report, presented by eDraft.com. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out our co-hosts on Twitter by clicking their names in the episode description. Now, back to the show.
1: And we're back, and now it's time for our first VIG of 2017 Very important guest of the week. His name is Dana Fry. He began working with noted golf course architect Tom Fazio while he was still in college. He has spent over 30 years designing golf courses around the world, including Erin Hills, which is the site of the 2017 U.S. Open. He spent many years partnering with Dr. Michael Hertzsen and now has his own design company, Fry Staraka Golf which is involved in golf course creation in the U.S., Asia, and the Middle East. Fred, tell us a little bit about this interview that you have for us.
0: Well, I have to admit I was not that familiar with Dana Fry prior to the announcement that he would design a new course at Arcadia Bluffs up here in Michigan. When I began to do background research, I found some very interesting items and just had to know more. When I first contacted him, he was just returning from a trip to Asia, and was preparing to do a walkthrough of the property up here at uh, Michigan. Through his work with Dr. Michael Hurtson, he's worked on some of the biggest golf courses around the world, and now that he has branched out on his own, is being sought out to do renovation and new course designs uh, everywhere. So, Carlos, uh, this really—I had to cut this down. We, we talked for a half an hour. Uh, on tape, and uh, I just cut this down to talking about Arcadia Bluffs and, and in uh, Asia a little bit, but uh, we, we had a great conversation, and we are going to try and have Dana back on ahead of the uh, U.S. Open to talk more about Aaron Hills.
1: Excellent. Let's play that interview.
0: Golf course architect Dana Fry is our guest tonight on Backtime Report. He spent his collegiate years playing golf for the University of Arizona, and set a couple of course records back in the day, so he brings a golfer's viewpoint to all of his designs. Others have said about our guest, Fry's rich and varied experience, both as an accomplished golfer and as a passionate artistic golf course designer, has resulted in his philosophy of a personalized, active, hands-on approach to every project he undertakes. Now as he turns his attention to global design opportunities, He amplifies amplifies that imprint and legacy in the world of golf course architecture. And, Dana, we are so happy to have you on the show. Thanks for uh, talking to us for a little bit.
2: Fred, I appreciate the invitation. Aaron Hills is going to host the
0: 2017 U.S. Open in June. It will be the perfect opportunity to see this masterpiece in Wisconsin. And it was designed by you in conjunction with uh, Dr. Michael
2: Hurdson. That is correct, and we also worked with Ron Witten, the uh, architecture editor for Golf test on that project. He was, he was instrumental, and in Mike and I were of, uh, as, as a creative part of the team and was very involved from day one uh, until we finished the golf course.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about Aaron Hills, uh, kind of what, what, what went into that, what makes that a perfect venue for a, for a U.S. Open?
2: Well, I think the first thing that people will notice, is, you know, is the sheer size and magnitude of the, of the site itself. It's the 18 the hole golf course sits on 652 acres. I mean, a normal 18 hole golf course will be on, you know, up to 200 acres, maybe 250 for an extremely big site, but this one's on 652 acres. It was a uh, uh, glacier, um, Kettle Moraine land. I mean, the the very uh, big, rolly sand, gravel hills and kettle holes, and uh, very little earth was moved on the project. And uh, it's the the scale of it and the setting of the all 18 golf holes is just utterly spectacular. I mean, you can stand at the clubhouse now and you can see parts of 12, 13 holes. And it's that way throughout the golf course. I think that the joke going around, which is very accurate, by the way, is that there's only eight trees left on the interior of the property. So we cleared a lot of it was like farm-type trees, but there were a lot of specimen oaks. But the majority of it has been cleared so that you can just see across four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten golf holes. It's um, very, very unique. Uh, I mean, I've, other, other than, you know, some of the places you'd see, like at Sand Hills or Bandon Dunes, uh, a few other places in the country, have I seen anything even remotely like this?
0: Dana, you popped up on my radar when it was recently announced that uh, you would design the second course at Arcadia Bluffs on Michigan's western coast. Arcadia Bluffs is one of the premier courses on everyone's bucket list how did that project come about? How did you become involved in that project?
2: Well, many years ago, and now we're talking about, well, now we're going back into the early 1990s, uh, like 92, 93, I was working on a project with, with Dr. Hertz in, in Vancouver, British Columbia, called Westwood Plateau. We ended up hiring a guy who was in between jobs. He had worked for the Nicholas Organization, and his name was Warren Henderson. Uh, Warren Henderson worked for us for a couple of years, oversaw that project, and then I would come out and see him every few weeks. And we obviously over a couple of years became very good friends. And and then a sidelight to this story is, because this will explain something else, after probably, I'm going to get the years wrong, but 94 or so, 95, I got a call from Rick Smith, a well-known golf teacher from up at Treetops and well-known in Michigan. And Rick uh, was asked me if I'd be interested in coming to work for him because he had some opportunities in the golf design business. And, you know, I, I said, you know, Rick, I really appreciate it, but, you know, I'm working with, you know, with Dr. Hertz and he's given me a great chance and there's, I just can't leave him. So I referred him to Warren Henderson and that's how Warren Henderson started his collaborations with Rick Smith. And obviously, you know, you know, they did Arcadia Bluffs together and a couple other courses before Warren then left and went to work for, Uh, Gary Player for a while and for Nick Price. The developer of Arcadia Bluffs is a gentleman by the name of Rich Postma. And Rich, seven, eight years ago, called up Warren and said, Warren, how would you like to just come work for me to help me run, you know, one of my companies? So Warren decided to get out of the golf business, obviously worked on the first Arcadia Bluffs project with uh, Rick Smith, and they designed that course together. Warren had been out of the business for seven or eight years, but we stayed in contact because he was a friend. And I had posted uh, Rich Postman and a couple of Rich's friends to play golf at Calusa Pines and Naples National. So I just hosted him, you know, and just met Rich. And he was a very nice guy and we got along great. It literally it happened. I came back from, I was coming back from a job in China in uh, in late June. There was a phone call from Warren saying, give me a call. And he says, Dane, I think you're going to be we're going to be working together pretty soon. And then he told me about the job and said Rich would like you to come up and you know meet everybody that's working for him. And went up to the site. This was again in uh, early in July. On the way back towards Grand Rapids, he just said you're you're part of the team and let's go. So it really happened just through a longstanding friendship. And then I met Rich over the last couple of years just casually, but no business or anything, just playing golf with him and gave me the job. And he's been uh, wonderful to work for, and that would be an understatement because his uh, commitment to build something really special and to do it first class, and the way he treats his people and the people that work for him is—he's um, frankly, he's—you know—I've been doing this for since 1983. He might be the best owner I've ever worked for ever in my life. Again, a very fortunate situation.
0: I know you walked the property. Uh, just to, where, where is it at at this point? Uh, what are your initial thoughts going in there?
2: Well, the project's location is it's not on the – we will have no lake views. It's about one mile to the south off of, of 22, which is this, the same road that you enter to get into Arcadia Bluffs. So it's to the south, and then it's to the east of 22. And um, it's a big site. It's, it's uh, over 350 acres uh, – 360 acres – uh, there will be no development on it. It's just a golf club house and an 18 a, and a hole golf course and a driving range. And we're probably going to, we might even build some practice holes. We don't know, but for now it's an 18 hole golf course and a, and a really substantial practice facility. It's an interesting site for a bunch of reasons. It's all sand, which is great. It's got some organic content in the sand, but it's, it's an all sand site, which is perfect as you know, for building golf courses but what makes it so unique is, you know, that, that, that we left the trees on the perimeter, but the tree, it used to be primarily apple orchards and some secondary growth. So there weren't very many specimen trees. So we pretty much have cleared the entire site. So you're going to have this 360-acre, basically, park to play golf in. An 18-year-old golf course normally takes around 175 to 200 to 225 acres, depending on the type of site you have. Well, we have 360 acres, so it's given us tremendous latitude to use the topography the way we best feel fit, literally trying to create a true lay-of-the-land golf course, very little earth disturbance, but the thing I think that's really going to set it apart is uh, the style of golf that we're going to create. It's the greens are going to be very large, probably averaging in the neighborhood of 10,000 to 11,000 square feet. A normal green would be 6,000 to 6,500 square feet on most courses. There will be a lot of uh, straight lines in the greens, squares, rectangles with some odd sort of bends in them. The bunkers will be flat bottom bunkers, uh, more cut out like I call like troughs. If you look at some of the holes, they may go left or right, or some might be straight away, but you're going to have these straight-line fairways, but with bunkers jutting way out into the fairways, which will make them really have these unbelievably zigs and zags. So the the visual look of the golf holes will be different than almost anything anybody's ever seen, certainly the the average golfer or the average resort-type golfer. We are not copying a look of any golf course but trying to create the style and feel evidence at the Chicago Golf Club, which is a, a golf course that both Rich and myself love dearly because I consider Chicago Golf one of the greatest golf courses I've ever set foot on in my lifetime.
0: Have they chosen a name yet for the second course at Arcadia Bloss?
2: Well, tentatively what it is called right now, and I think it will be called this, is the South Course at Arcadia okay.
0: You also have a lot of stuff going on in Asia. Uh, you just returned uh, from three weeks over there. What have you got going on over there right now?
2: I lived in Hong Kong for many years. It moved back to the U.S. in December of 2013 when China slowed down. I, Our company, uh, we're talking stuff with Hertz and Fry now, had uh, done projects in South Korea and uh, China and uh, Vietnam and Thailand. So I obviously have a lot of connections over there still to this day you know, China has really slowed down, but I am going to do a, an existing, I think it was the fourth or fifth course ever built in China, in Fuzhou, China. They're going to um, basically completely redo the golf course. It'll be a rerouting and the whole thing of an existing licensed facility in China, which is very rare to have an existing licensed facility. Most of them were built illegally. So we're going to uh, redo that, and then also I interviewed for a, uh, a job in Bangkok in Thailand, and then uh, I also will be doing a job in Hanoi in Vietnam as well, a 36-hole facility. The other project that I'm actually working on right now under contract, and they're actually hauling Phil into the site to get it up to grade, is in Abu Dhabi in the Middle East. I'm going to build the second course in Abu Dhabi on an island called Yaz Island, Kyle Phillips did the first golf course there called Yaz Links, and it's right on the water. It's now ranked in the top 100 in the world in some publications and certainly is the best golf course in the Middle East, I can assure you that. I will be building the second golf course. I am building the second golf course there called Yaz Acres, of which our course will be a very uh, desert-style-looking golf course, almost Sonoran Desert, minus the Cactus, core golf course with houses on the outside perimeter. But it's a huge job, big earth-moving, big irrigation system, big landscaping project because it's obviously all created.
0: So you're not seeing a big downturn in the golf industry They're keeping you very busy. Uh, You're traveling all around the world. Uh, That's great to hear. We've been talking with Dana Fry, golf course architect, who recently was awarded the contract to build the second golf course at Arcadia Bluffs uh, just outside of Arcadia, Michigan, On the Lake of Michigan coast, Acadia Bluffs, for anybody that's been there, it's a wonderful property. They're adding new lodges there, uh, a great place now to go uh, for stay and play, and and when they get the second course in, it'll be even that much better. So, Dana, thanks again for coming and talking to us today. We really appreciate it, and I'm sure we're going to be talking to you more. We'll we'll try and get you back on uh, maybe uh, ahead of the uh, U.S. Open, and we'll talk some more about Aaron Hills. How about that?
2: Fred, I look forward to it and appreciate you having me on the show.
0: Thanks a lot, Dan.
2: Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.
1: There you have it. That was golf course architect Dana Fry. And Fred, can't wait for him to be back so we can talk about Erin Hills at uh, golf course where the U.S. Open is going to be played. And there in Wisconsin, which is just uh, 35 miles north of Milwaukee. So definitely... Great guy, a uh, lot of knowledge there, you know, just starting with uh, Rick Smith and also with Tom Fazio. He definitely has the knowledge. And I uh, can't wait to see what he's going to do there at the Arcadia Bluffs.
0: Yeah, he told me some other great stories. Uh, that, uh, you know, the people that have helped him the long years. Uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, an interesting story, uh, I'll just do it real quickly here. Uh, Mike Strands was from here actually from Toledo, Ohio. And uh, became one of the leading golf designers very rapidly. Uh, very talented guy. He did Caledonia uh, Fishing Game there at uh, Fishing Golf there at Myrtle uh, Beach, uh, Tobacco Road uh, outside of Pinehurst. Uh, he was booked up for five years. He was in such demand. He was the hot guy uh, back in the uh, back in the early 90s. And uh, he suddenly died uh, at the, at a young age, at the age of I think 53. Uh, but uh, um, um, Dana was talking about how he got started in the business and who he learned from. He actually learned from one of the guys that worked from Fazio, that worked for Fazio, that really was one of Fazio's top guys. Really taught him a lot about golf course design. And Mike Strand taught him how to run a bulldozer and how to make the shapes, uh, how to finish a golf course. And and uh, so I mean, it's just uh, it's amazing that the people you run into. And talk to uh, and how they help your career going forward. And and he is, uh, you know, he's done the most with what he had, and, and uh, he's becoming one of the premier golf designers in the in the world today.
1: We'll be watching in, watching him, and we'll learn from him more when we talk to him now. I mean later this year when the U.S. Open comes closer to us. With that, we'll wrap up our VIG very important guest of the week segment. And now before we close. We have some final thoughts, and Fred, you're going to talk about something for the for the listeners about how to watch instead of listening to Back Nine Report.
0: Yeah, um, we've been talking about this for a while. Um, back Nine Report TV is now available on Roku. If you have access to Roku, know what that is, R O K U. Um, you can uh, go to search, type in Back the number nine, and then Report. Uh, the uh, the link will come up there. Um, we're going to probably do, oh maybe a couple of months. Uh, we have two We have a pilot up there. plus the first real episode is up there, kind of wrapped up uh, the year of 2016. We put it up before the end of the year. Uh, I've got uh, kind of the uh, the script laid out for the next one. we might take it here later this week and and try to get it up here in the next uh, in the next few days. but, uh, um, just something we've been playing around with, and, and hopefully uh, our listeners will go on there, go to Roku, uh, look at back 9 Report TV. You can also uh, send me a tweet on Back9ReportTV. Uh, open up a, a Twitter account for that, um, and be, be tickled to death to hear what you have to say. There's a way to make comments, I think, on the show also. So um, I hope, uh, hope fans, I uh, hope listeners go and, and uh, watch that. And we're going we're gonna to put some other video in there as we go along. i got some other videos to put in there that, of interesting things. And, and uh, <coughs> we're not going to be a golf channel. Um, you know, we're going to try and cover some things that, that other golf outlets don't do of unique and unique in nature and, and uh, things that are of interest to golfers. So hopefully it will be fun. Um, also, I just want to mention, you know, NWO Golf Links, we're still doing that. There it comes out the – second Wednesday of every month. The January issue features Golf Life Navigators on the cover. Talks about Florida golf retirement or whether to go to Arizona or or California. These guys can really help. If you're thinking about retiring over the next five to ten years, now is the time to talk to these guys. They can help you find the right place at the cost you want and and with the amenities that fit your lifestyle, they know the places they can help you. So uh, along with a lot of other great stories uh, in the uh, in the December issue, the January issue. Matter of fact, I just sent it off to the designers uh, yesterday morning, uh, and it will be coming out uh, January the 11th. If everything goes all right. So, Carlos, thank you for that. And there you have
1: it. With that, Back Niners. That will wrap up another week of the Back Nine Report. Produced by Our first show of 2017. We look forward being with you every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Block Talk Radio. If you missed us, remember to check it out on iTunes or TuneIn. Thank you for listening. It's always our pleasure. To bring you the latest on the world of golf, I have to give special thanks to our VIG very important guest of the week, golf course architect Dana Fry. If you haven't done so, remember to follow the show on Twitter. Our ID is addback9report with the number 9 in the middle. And now you know you can go to Roku, if you have it and add the channel. You can go directly there and look for it under www.rokuguide.com slash channels slash back9report. Okay, so find it there, the first two. Uh, episodes are in there for you to watch. My name is Carlos Torres along with Fred Alvader and in the words of the immortal, Ben Hogan, as you walk down the fairway of life, you must smell the roses where you only get to play one round. That is why we always end up the show wishing you to be happy, be blessed, and enjoy the great game of golf. Happy golfing, everybody.
0: Good night, everybody.